The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. We're going to welcome Dr. Dwayne Bratt to the program. Doctor, how are you doing? I'm doing just fine. We are so excited to have you on the show to break this whole thing down for us because I think it's getting, it's getting very complex in a lot of different ways. So if you can, just take us back to the beginning of what initially sparked all of these protests that are now happening. Okay, so... Several weeks ago, there was a uh, series of demonstrations uh, that reached close to 2 million people, which is amazing given that only about 8 million live on uh, the island of Hong Kong over a proposed extradition treaty with mainland China. And there were some real concerns that this would be applying Chinese law onto Hong Kong in violation of the the one country, two systems uh, approach. Um, Particularly business people um, were fearful that business practices um, that are legal in Hong Kong but illegal in mainland China would be retroactively applied. But that has morphed. Uh, Under pressure, uh, Carrie Lam, uh, the leader of Hong Kong, shelved the bill on extradition And since then, the demonstrations have gotten smaller, but they have continued because they're looking at democratic reforms. And now I'm going to go a bit further back in time and not uh, six weeks over the extradition bill. But several years ago, you may recall other demonstrations. They were called the umbrella demonstrations um, that occurred in the streets of Hong Kong. The reason that they brought in umbrellas was to disperse the tear gas from the riot police. And that was about greater democracy. Hong Kong is more democratic than mainland China, but it is not uh, in any respect a Western-style democracy. And so there were, there were calls for greater democracy several years ago. What the protesters have discovered is by forcing the government's hand over the extradition treaty, they can go back to those arguments around greater democratic reform or alleged police brutality and, and further the, the fight. The number of protesters has gotten smaller, but they have changed tactics uh, going from the streets to the airport, which has garnered much more international attention by essentially shutting down one of the world's largest airports for several days. Dwayne, from the outside looking in, this seemed very sudden, going back to six or eight or ten weeks ago, but from what you said, that's not exactly the case. This is something that obviously residents of Hong Kong have been thinking about and finally decided to take action on. Yeah, and this has been a concern going back to 1997. So prior to 1997, Hong Kong was a colony of Britain. In 1997, Britain handed off that colony to mainland China, but with a series of conditions. And it was supposed to be the idea of one country, but two different systems, and systems both economically, because Hong Kong is is uber capitalist, China is moving in that way, but certainly was not in 1997. And there's greater elements of local democracy that exist in, in Hong Kong than in mainland China. But there is growing fear of greater and greater uh, control by Beijing. So it's not an isolated island anymore, There is, in fact, a a bridge to mainland China, uh, and then there's concern because just over that bridge, the Chinese People's Liberation Army are conducting military exercises. I don't think that's a coincidence. And there's a, a fear in Hong Kong that if the police cannot control this, 
that Beijing is going to send in their army. Doctor, when we say we, we hear the, the term one country, two systems, and now it appears that that might be at risk of disintegrating. Can you take us into what that what that means? One country, so, two so the one country, two systems means that Hong Kong is not independent of China, that Hong Kong is part of China. Uh, the idea of two systems is that there was supposed to be Hong Kong was able to keep its economic system, um, which allowed for much more private enterprise than what we saw under communist China, as well as more local autonomy than what we see in mainland China. The fear that Hong Kongers have right now, and one that I share with them, is that could be eroding and that you could basically have one country, one system. Dwayne, why move from the streets into the airport? Is it because it is one of the biggest airports in the world? Is it because oh, absolutely. it's disrupting I, I think this everything? Was a, I think this was a tactical decision to try to get global attention. And it worked. There is much more attention being paid to, to Hong Kong right now than even in the demonstrations uh, six weeks, two months ago. Um, it, it, watching it this morning, it was really eerie because you saw protesters in the airport, then you saw the riot police mobilizing, and then you just saw ordinary passengers tra- trying to change planes or arriving with luggage it, it, and families. Because uh, there aren't a whole lot of families amongst the the, uh, the protesters, and so it has garnered much more attention. And this is something the Canadians should really care about. I'm not sure how many people in in Edmonton realize there are 300,000 Canadian citizens that that live in Hong Kong, and that's an awful lot of people. It's it's the largest expat community um, outside of Canada. And yet the Canadian government's response has been very muted. And I think that's because we're having our own problems with China right now. What other sort of tactics have they deployed? We know that they've moved from the street into the airport, but you have mentioned a few times that they've switched things up a little bit or in many ways. Yeah, I mean, they, it's a much smaller group uh, than what it once was. Uh, they're operating at night because they have you know jobs during the... Uh, during the uh, the, the day, um, they are trying to disrupt the facial recognition software that the police have with with laser pointers. Uh, they brought in umbrellas previously to deal with tear gas, but they simply can't match the the firepower that the police have. And um, I was listening to Gordon Holden uh, this morning, and he's the head of the China Institute at the University of Alberta and says they're not going to succeed in their aims. They are not going to get a a greater, more democratic China. Beijing simply isn't going to allow that. That there's three ways that this is going to end, and it's bad, worse, and disastrous. And the bad is that it just filters out. Right, that that um, this can't be sustained. That there are business communities now that are going to be opposed to the shutting down of the airport because that's hurting their economic pocketbook. Um, and so gradually, that the numbers of protesters just to get smaller and smaller, and it dissipates on its own. I think that would be unfortunate because it would be a missed opportunity. What would be worse, though, is an absolute crackdown by the Hong Kong authorities. And we're starting to see signs of that uh, today. But the worst possibility would be if the, uh, if the Chinese army got involved. 
um, as we saw with, with Tiananmen Square, which is the, the historical analogy that everybody has, has been using. At what point could could that happen? What, what do you think, in your opinion, it would take to, to have the Chinese authorities get involved? Uh, I, they're keeping all options open. As I said, having these military exercises uh, was not a coincidence. I think they built the, the bridge uh, to the mainland you know, for this sort of eventuality. Um, we'll, we'll, ha- we'll have to see. And, and right now, they're getting a very muted response by the international community. Um, you know, so yeah, Canada, as I said, has been very quiet, but Canada's not a big player. The Americans, you're dealing with Donald Trump, and who knows what Trump will do. You know, he's been very vague by saying, well, China will do the right thing. Well, <laughs> what does the right thing mean to, to Beijing? And he's in the middle of a major trade war uh, with China anyway. So this may just be an effort at Beijing to, to quell this rebellion, but also to send us a sign to, uh, to American authorities. We're in a very dangerous time right now. You mentioned Canada is not a big player on, on that front. But as you said, 300,000 Canadians living in the area. In your opinion, how could or how should Canada move into the situation? I think a much stronger uh, warning with, with China um, uh, about that, about preparing possible consular uh, authorities, about saying, you know, that we're no longer going to view uh, going to China, uh, uh, that the, the Canadian citizens should not be going to China. Something that former Canadian ambassador to China, David Mulroney, uh, had been musing about, about sending out a, a travel advisory. So there are things that Canada can do. Uh, we have a big interest here. What I meant was we were not a big player globally. And, and that's the challenge that Canada has, is that we can't look at Hong Kong in isolation when we've got two for, uh, uh, former Canadian diplomats who are essentially kidnapped, when we've got a, a battle over uh, canola uh, and pork and, and other trade issues going on, when we've got the Huawei case. Um, so as bad as things are with Canada and China over the last year, they have been pretty bad. This is just adding to that. It's adding to it, but is this a chance for Canada to, to step forward with China and say, let's start with this issue in Hong Kong and maybe we can work towards resolving oh, those other things? A- a- absolutely, but the, the Canadian government looks petrified uh, of, of getting involved. Um, e- even though, as I said, uh, they, they have a very strong case to, to do so. Because forget about the 300,000 Canadian citizens that live in Hong Kong. How many of their relatives live in Canada? A lot more. There's a very long, long um, um, Hong Kong ancestry in, in, in Canada. We talk about protests going on for months. I imagine that at some point, or perhaps already, there a bit of fatigue has to set in. The protesters are going to get tired. Is it a matter of who exhausts their resources first on either side, just by well, sheer that, numbers? That's, yeah, when I was outlining the options of how this is going to end, that, that's option one, is that it's very tough to sustain this. I think they were emboldened when the government backed down on the extradition treaty, and that's when they felt that they could go further. Uh, but it's clear that their numbers have dropped from what they were in the past, um, the, which is why I think they, they went into the airport, is to try to uh, change tactics and try to uh, rejuvenate uh, this. 
So what needs to happen here, Dwayne? What's the next step? How do we get them out of the airport, and how do we get both sides talking and hopefully moving towards some sort of resolution? Yeah, I, I don't have any answers on that. I, I wish I did. Oh, fair enough. Uh, I mean, this is going to be something we're watching over the next uh, few weeks, and thank you for taking the time and giving your insights on this. Okay, thanks, guys. Just got off the phone with Dr. Dwayne Brandt, Professor of Political Science and Chair of Department of Economics, Justice and Policy Studies at Mount Royal University, talking about the ongoing conflict in Hong Kong. Now, those protests, as you know, disrupted the airport for a second straight day. Things are escalating quickly. You can see violence happening right at the forefront of the airport. Global's Reverend Shannon spoke with freelance journalist Michael Zhang, who was at the airport late yesterday and today. He describes when the tensions exactly picked up at the airport. In the evening, I'll say around maybe 10 p.m. or so, um, things kind of escalated. There, At first, there was a man, uh, somehow he, I think he fell unconscious, and then the, the um, paramedics came and they were trying to take him away to the, uh, out of the airport. Um, but actually what happened then was that some of the protesters, they surrounded the paramedic team. The protesters were quite indecisive and they were debating amongst themselves on what to do. What happened later was that the paramedic team, they had to, I guess, push themselves out of the airport. And I think that is one of the reasons why the police were called in. Now there's a video circulating online of a tense situation, which Zhang describes. I saw the uh, uh, earlier video taken by someone else, um, which is when, you know, the, the, the three or four police officers, they had someone uh, under them and they were trying to make an arrest. But then behind them, there was uh, at least 10 to 15 protesters um, who charged at the officers. Uh, from what I heard um, online is that some of the protesters, they took the baton of uh, some of the officers and then they started um, using the baton to uh, attack the officers. And then that's when one of the officers, I guess, felt that he was very... Uh, in a very tough situation, and uh, he, he pulled out a gun, and then I saw him fall to the ground. But uh, after he pulled out the gun, most of the protesters, they they, they, they ran back to the, the, the terminal, and then um, those uh, police officers, they quickly, um, they, they left the scene quite fast. So quite a graphic situation to be watching. He offers his own reaction of the protests. It's definitely quite um, uh, scary to watch. I was I was behind the glass, but even then, this is quite unprecedented. I think, you know, even the, even though that the past few weeks in Hong Kong have been quite violent with a lot of tear gas um, uh, and there have been a lot of violence, um, you know, the escalating things. Um, using a gun is quite unprecedented. Even pointing at someone is quite uh, unheard of. So there was an officer, uh, I think, uh, a while ago who, who took out a shotgun and was pointing at some uh, protesters. But yeah, today it was it's very different because it's at the airport. So that's that makes a huge difference, I would say. And in the past two days, about 570 flights have been canceled, 175 delayed. Earlier on 6.30 Chad's The Ryan Jesperson Show, we spoke to Tom Grundy, who's the editor-in-chief of the Hong Kong Free Press, another journalist at the scene. He described an incident today he witnessed which involved the police staging a, quote, rescue mission of sorts. Or, uh, what we understand was uh, an undercover um, police officer or security officer, possibly from the mainland, who was surrounded for some hours um, by uh, protesters uh, as the police came in um, to retrieve him. 
Um, the clash, some clashes broke out, some pepper spray was deployed, and protesters were uh, hurling some items at the, uh, the, the police vehicles as they left. And in his own opinion, Grundy believes they will continue these protests at the airport. I imagine we're going to see similar things tomorrow, but uh, nothing we've heard about any police action to clear um, the, the protesters at the moment. The moment they tried to get in tonight, um, the entrances were barricaded and uh, some very angry scenes and profanity uh, just in their attempt uh, to retrieve somebody uh, uh, tonight. Joshua Wong is a student activist and a politician active in those current protests in Hong Kong. He's been called one of the world's greatest leaders by Fortune magazine back in 2015, and he was nominated for the Nobel Prize in 2017. He spoke with Drex on the shift on Tuesday at about 1 a.m. The South Chinese authorities may ultimately deal with protesters. Here's his take. With the past two months' experience of 2,000 tear gas were fired and 700 activists were arrested, more and more kind of suppression might continue. But it's crystal clear that how Hong Kong people deserve the right to fight for free election. We just have to elect our own government. We have to get a vote. That's the fundamental right enjoyed by people who live in Western countries since last century. So it's time for China to recognize that their uprising China model do not respect on international order and violate on human rights. And I hope world leaders could take a strong approach to have sanctioned and condemned on how Beijing ignored the voice of people. The question on my mind is if he feels like a target or maybe he's worried about his own personal safety. And this is what Wong had to say to Drex. All publishers support freedom of speech has the experience being kidnapped from Hong Kong to China. Foreign correspondents based at Hong Kong get the experience of being expelled out from this hometown. At the same time, activists were jailed just like me and lawmakers were unseated and kicked out of office. We strongly experienced how the crackdown on human rights from Xi Jinping transformed from a president to the emperor of China and Hong Kong. That's why suppression might continue, but we'll never step back and never surrender. And if whether the extradition law is passed, will he be one of the first sent to China? Here's his take. No one could guarantee their personal safety, including me. If the law is passed, if the evil bill is passed in the Legislative Council of Hong Kong, I might be extradited to China. The recent loss of Hong Kong people in Hong Kong, such a small city with only 7 million population, 2 million of them joined a single individual protest two months ago, and we will never give up. Drex also asked him about support from Canada and other world leaders. Not only politicians and leaders from Canada, but also uh, leaders from uh, US, UK, Australia, and etc. I hope the Western country politician could take a more active role. In fact, uh, for Prime Minister of Canada uh, show the public uh, stand in a quite late situation. But I would say that uh, it's time for world leaders to consider. If they don't speak up for human rights in Hong Kong and China because of commercial interests of trade deal, they lose all moral authorities to speak out elsewhere. That's why I hope it's time for world leaders, especially politicians in Canada, they have lost there are lots of Canadians live in Hong Kong. They should not keep silence under the crackdown of human rights in Hong Kong. And that's audio from an interview on Drex on Drex on the Shift Tuesday with Joshua Wong, a student activist and politician active in the current protests in Hong Kong. As we told you earlier, it's chaos at the main air- airport, dying down after a second day of demonstrations that caused mass flight cancellations and clashes with police.